0: Parents, if you haven't checked your kids in yet, please make sure you take them to the foyer and check them in. Um, And then make sure you pick them up after. And so many things going on. Um, One of the things is we... (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. The ministerial soup supper, the community soup supper that's happening today, we're still in need of a few volunteers to help at that to serve. And so if you are interested in that, please uh, see me after the service today. We'll get to the information that we need to get to you uh, to be a part of that. But uh, we encourage you to be a part of that tonight between 5 and 7. It raises money for the Ministerial Association Transient Fund uh, that we're a part of as a a church. And so we want to do our part of that. It's always a great time. A lot of different soups and a lot of different fellowship with people from different churches. And so encourage you to be there tonight uh, for that. And uh, men, uh, I want to draw your attention again to the breakfast coming up on, Mar- on February 24th. Uh, please, if you plan to attend, mark that on your connect card today. There's some things that we need to, to get for that. And so if you're still deciding, um, you know, just say yes today. And if you don't come, we won't hold it against you. Uh, but I need to order some things for that. And so I just want to make sure that we can get that done. And uh, before I share with you about communication today. I wanted to, there was a passage of scripture from the book of Matthew chapter 12, and it's also found in Luke chapter 11, that I wanted to share with you before we we dive into this. But I want to thank Pastor John for leading our laboratory time. Um, We believe that the Bible says, when we believe in Jesus... And when we experience salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. We also believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an experience with the Holy Spirit that the scripture points out and says is available for all of us who believe so that the Holy Spirit can become more present in our daily lives. Um, We've talked about it. We've studied it. And in our lives, I loved the illustration today of a weight room. Because a lot of times, as people who grew up in Pentecostal churches, we have this paradigm for how the gifts of the Spirit operate. You know, someone gets up and gives a message for the whole body, but the gifts of the Spirit should be operating in our lives every day, all the time. How do I know that? Well, because that's what happened here, and that's what's happening for everyone who believes that follows. It's, it's supposed to happen. The problem is we're not always aware of it or we don't understand it. We don't hear what is being said or done by the Holy Spirit. And so in the service, we actually take time so that we can close off all of the distractions and learn to hear it. And we actually encourage you to do it. Because throughout the worship time, as you start centering your thoughts on God, it makes you more aware of his presence and then the Holy Spirit speaks to you so that you can learn in the middle of a song, someone comes to your mind or a picture comes to your mind and you need to go and you need to share it with someone or you need to go and you need to maybe make something right in a relationship with someone. That's what we encourage you to do during the worship time. Now, what happens if someone does it wrong? Guaranteed it's going to happen. Guaranteed, someone's going to color outside the lines. And I'm not afraid of that, because when someone colors outside the lines, what I do as a pastor is I go to them and say, hey, you know, I love the fact that you want to color, and I, and I want you to keep coloring, but I feel like this morning you may be colored outside the lines. And I explain it, and we talk through it, and we work it out. I don't try to embarrass anybody. I don't try to say, oh, you're wrong. Now, if someone gets up and says something completely unbiblical, then I have to get up and address that and say, eh, let's, do, let's uh, maybe look at the Scripture. What's the Scripture say? Because the Scripture says, test everything that the Spirit says. And so just because you get up and say, well, the Holy Spirit says this, if it contradicts this book, it's not the Holy Spirit. You color it outside the lines. And I'm not afraid to do that. And I hope that you're not offended by that. I hope that actually makes you feel safer that we want to color inside the lines. In Luke chapter 11, Matthew chapter 12, people come to Jesus and they say, the only reason that you're doing all these miracles is because you are possessed by the devil. That's what they said. Not much unlike some of the things that happen in today's world when people say, the only reason that those things happen is the devil. Uh, Same situation. If it lines up with the word, it's not the devil, okay, because the devil doesn't line up with the word. He uses the word, and he twists it, but he doesn't line up with it, and Jesus begins to teach them about the kingdom that's divided against itself, can't stand, and he talks about the fruit of our lives, and then he says something really interesting. He says, if an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes out and it wanders around, and it gets lonely. In essence, is what he says. And it comes back to the place it left. And it finds that place swept, put in order, and unoccupied. And it gets seven other spirits, and it comes back and makes the condition of that person worse than the first. What's Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus is talking about the fact that our lives are affected by spiritual forces. It doesn't mean we're possessed by spirits, but we're affected by spiritual forces. And in order to be free from the spiritual forces, you need an encounter with God. You need to come to a place where you decide you were doing it your way, but now you're going to do it his way, and you surrender everything. That sweeps your house and puts everything in order. But if you leave the house unoccupied, then the condition that you might end up in is might be even worse than the first what's that mean that means you may start showing up at church every week but your house is unoccupied what do you need to do you need to get some furniture where do you get furniture from you get it from god put on love be gentle be kind He gives us all kinds of things that we do. We don't do them in our own strength. We do them because the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to do them. But if we don't start letting our house be occupied by the Holy Spirit, we just maybe thank God that we're free and we just show up, the condition we end up in could be worse than the condition we were in before. Because then we think we're good, but we're really not. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's trying to help them understand that there are things you have to put into your life. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Yes, you have to repent. You have to come to Christ. You have to have an encounter with the living God that sets you free from the powers of darkness and sin. Absolutely. But then you have to start putting into practice the things that he's told us to put into practice. He's given us the strength. How do I know? Because anything he tells us to do, he's equipped us to do. It wouldn't be okay for him to say, you do this and not give us the power to do it. That would make him an imperfect God. So anything that he says we can do, he's given us the power to do. And when we don't follow through, the question is whether or not we're going to blame someone else, make excuses for why we did it, or just repent. And say, I should have handled that differently. I repent. Does that make sense? Because when it comes to the area of relationships, sometimes we think all we need to do is go to an altar and have an encounter with God. And our homes get swept and put in order, but they're not occupied. Our relationships don't get occupied. And what this series has been about is trying to give us the tools, the furniture, so that our relationships start getting occupied. Because for too long, we come to church and we say, the Bible says we should love our enemies. But we go out there and the words we use towards our enemies aren't love. And it's really time that the church just stops pretending that everything's okay. And stops pretending that it's okay to to talk the way we do and to slander and to gossip and to use flattery. And all the things that we talked about for 45 minutes in Sunday school, we could have been in there for hours today talking through that. And we have to come to the place where we realize my house needs to start being occupied. I need to start putting into practice what God's asked me to do. And the thing is, is God's not doing this to condemn us. He's not trying to make us feel like the worst people on earth. In fact, he's the most patient, kind, gentle, loving person. God, he, that's who he is. And he'll come alongside you and help you all along the way. He doesn't want you to feel like, oh, just I should just give up. This is too impossible. That's not God, because with God, all things are possible, but they're not possible if you and I aren't going to start taking responsibility for the occupying of ourselves, our own house, if you will, and as we've gone through this series, Keep Your Love On, based on the book by Danny Silk called Keep Your Love On. There's one more copy available in the back if you haven't gotten a copy and you want one. As we've gone through this series, we've learned how to take responsibility for ourselves, how to be powerful people. Because in our world today, we live in a victimized world where everything that is done to me is somebody else's fault, and therefore, they need to take responsibility. We need to start taking responsibility for it us now here's the thing things happen to us and people do abuse us and hurt us and next the next time we meet we're going to talk about levels of intimacy and we're going to talk about boundaries because there are times where people uh, that have hurt us need to maybe be kept a circle out for a little while there needs to be a boundary there needs to be a level that we allow Jesus had levels of intimacy not every human being had the same access to Jesus He had levels of intimacy. He modeled it for us. See, some people say, well, this this isn't the Bible. This is just somebody's opinion. No, this is the Bible. This is what Jesus modeled for us. It's the furniture that needs to start occupying our lives so that our relationships start looking more like His. Remember what Jesus said? We'll be known as disciples because of what? Our love for one another. If we actually stopped for a second and said, if the only test of whether or not we were in a good relationship with God right now was our relationship with one another, how would we be doing? And not just how many people would tip the scale this way, how many people are tipping the scale this way in our lives? And it's just not okay. And you and I need to make sure that we start applying these things to our lives so that the world knows we're His disciples because of how we treat other people. If you start treating people the way that we've talked about, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Because this isn't human nature and this isn't how we treat people. And so we've talked through some of the different things about being a powerful person, increasing love, decreasing fear in our relationships, the goal of connection. Our relationships, the goal of all of our relationships has to be connection with one another. We talked about the seven pillars of healthy relationships. And we started a conversation last week about communication. And we're going to continue that conversation today. Um, I don't know if communicating in conflict or maybe... Uh, Communicating during conflict might be a better title for this, Uh, but last week we started talking about communicating in love and the choices. We talked about the different styles of communication, passive communication, aggressive communication, passive-aggressive communication, assertive communication. We talked about um, using I feel statements, and we talked about the goal of communication being understanding, not agreement. If we're going to have a conversation and our goal is agreement, more times than not, that conversation is not going to go well. Or I'm only going to start having conversations with people like me. And if the goal is to walk only in agreement with people, the circle of my life is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and if I want to avoid conflict and I want to avoid people who disagree with me, eventually, I'm going to have to live in a room by myself. And even then, there's no guarantee there won't be conflict. You ever had an argument with yourself? I know I'm not the only weird one. I mean, sometimes I say something and I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. And so I talk to myself. It's very biblical. David did it all the time. He found out he wasn't, he was saying something and he's like, no, I don't agree with that. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I mean, he reminds himself. He has to talk to himself. And so sometimes there's even conflict in those relationships. And so as we continue to walk through this idea of communication, um, hopefully today we'll give you some more tools that kind of go with that. In, in the chapter, I'm just going to show you this. We're not going to take time to go over this, but this is the trust cycle. Um, basically, this is where at, in my life I have a need. And... I have to find a way to express that need to you. And when I express that need, now what happens a lot of times is I feel like I've expressed the need to you, but I actually haven't. I mean, I've given you clues and hints. By the way, wives, hints don't work ever. We know that you're the smarter one, we know that you're the more in tune one, we know that you're the more perceptive one. We're not. And so, if we're going to have a need, but I had this conversation right before church today. Husbands, when your wife expresses a need, it's your job to remember it. Okay? She shouldn't have to express it a hundred times. Maybe (laughs) ten. I mean, let's be realistic. So, some way we have to be assertive and we have to express the need we have Not what I need you to do, not what I think you're doing right now, what's going on inside of me. That's communication. I need to tell you what is going on in here, because you don't know if I don't tell you. You may think you know, but you don't know, unless I express it. And I have to find a way to express it without making you feel defensive. And that's what we've talked to. And then when we come to that, there has to be a response to the need. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you express a need, I'm going to meet the need exactly as you express it. And that's kind of where sometimes conflict resolution comes in, or that's where more communication has to happen. Because sometimes my lead need and your need overlap, and we have to figure out, well, if this is my need and this is your need, we got to find some kind of common ground, because we can't both get our needs met. It's impossible. And so we've got to find a way that we can express understanding to someone so that we can respond to their need in some way on some level. Then the need gets satisfied, then there's comfort, and then that's the cycle. The cycle of mistrust is when the need is expressed but there's no response. And generally in communication what we do is we start responding to the perceived communication instead of making sure we've understood the communication. And so if you missed last week... That's really what we kind of covered last week, learning to express our needs, learning to make sure we understand what's being expressed by the other person so that we can have some common ground as we begin to communicate. Now, whenever I express a need to you, what I have what I've done is I've made myself vulnerable. Okay? Because I've let you see something that you couldn't have seen if I didn't pull off a cover and let you see it, okay? And You and I have to understand, when we're vulnerable with one another, are we going to either value the vulnerability, or are we going to say things like, well, you shouldn't feel that way, or, well, you, you know, you need to think differently. Maybe I do, but the point is, this is how I feel today, and if you don't value what I've shown you today, I'm going to close up, and I'm not going to show you it tomorrow, And so we have to understand as we start expressing what's going on inside of us, we have to be willing to respect the vulnerability that someone has just made, to value that, to value that person. We don't, me understanding a feeling that you're having doesn't mean I agree with your feeling. It just means I understand that's how you're feeling. And we've mistaken in our culture that if I try to empathize with you, or if I try to sympathize with you, that means I have to also agree with you. I don't. I can completely sympathize with what you're feeling and what's going on inside of you without agreeing with what's going on. And until we come to that understanding, you and I are going to have a hard time connecting and communicating. And so we have to learn the ability to walk through life and to walk through disagreement and to walk through these conflicts that we have. In Matthew chapter 18... Jesus teaches all through Matthew chapter 18 about relationships. And what he's showing us is that in the kingdom of God, relationships are a core value. In fact, I would even go as far as to say in the kingdom of God, relationships are foundational. Foundational. How do I know that? Well, Jesus himself said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. It's not an emotion. It's to act. Love him with all your heart, with your mind, with your soul, with your strength. It's to be in relationship with God. It's to love him. It's to act in love towards him in everything. That's the foundational commandment. But then he comes alongside and says, but a second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two things. So in other words, what he said is... Your love, your relationship with me is about your, the way you act toward me, how you love me with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and how you love your neighbors yourself. Now, again, we don't have to slip into condemnation and guilt if we don't measure up. We just have to acknowledge it and repent so that we can be on a path toward healing. And righteousness, but what we tend to want to do is blame the other person. I'm my relationship with that person is bad because of that person. Has nothing to do with me. I have done everything I can to live in peace with that person. And if that's true, okay, because the Bible says only as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But if you're just kidding yourself (laughs) and that's really not the case, and you haven't assertively tried to express your need, and you haven't been gracious and merciful the same way God was towards you, toward that person, then maybe it's time for repentance. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, Jesus, in this chapter about relationships, says that if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble... It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned into the depths of the sea. Now, I don't believe, and many people would agree with me, that Jesus is actually saying, you know, if if you cause someone to stumble go throw yourself in the sea with a millstone tied around your neck. Uh, That's not what he's using, hyperbole or exaggeration to show you how valuable relationships in the kingdom of God are. Meaning, if you cause a little or a vulnerable person to stumble, that's a big deal, okay? We tend to view big deals like murder, uh, adultery, abortion, you know, drinking, getting drunk, you know, all kinds of things over here. These are the big deals. But, you know, if I just, you know, say something slanderous about someone, that's not a big deal. Jesus kind of goes right for the jugular here. And he's like, if you cause someone to stumble, it would actually be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be drowned into the sea. In other words, this is a big deal. Pay attention. How we treat one another Whether we love our enemies, whether we bless those who curse us, whether we pray for those who mistreat us, that's the crux of this thing. Making sure that we value and honor the people around us. In fact, so much so that when Jesus is teaching on uh, the, the forgiveness in the Sermon on the Mount, you remember what he says? If you come to the altar and you bring a gift, and there you remember your brother has something against you, Okay, it's not you have something against your brother. Your brother has something against you. Leave your gift, go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. Now, for us, that's not a big deal because we're like, well, I was just at the altar to pray today. And, uh, but this is Old Testament. And so the only way you can be made right with God in the Old Testament is a sacrifice. And if you come to bring that sacrifice, and you remember, I'm not in right relationship with someone, he says, you need to so value that relationship that you leave that gift and you go be reconciled. That brings new meaning to when Jesus says, go find out what this means. I want your mercy, not your sacrifice. I want you to be merciful to others. I don't care about your sacrifices. I want you to live this out in your relationships. Now, this is hard. This is messy. We don't know how to do this. And again, we have chosen not to swing the pendulum way over there and go do something absolutely ridiculously crazy. We're trying to walk into right relationships. And so we're going to take the things that we're learning and apply them to our lives so that our relationships look more and more like they should. In 1 John chapter 2 the disciple who Jesus loves says, if anyone claims I'm living in the light, but hates a fellow believer. And the crazy thing is, is none of us would actually say we hate anyone. Well, maybe we would. But if we're not living in love towards a fellow believer, okay, we're on the path of hatred. Being indifferent towards someone scripturally is on the path of hatred. I I don't want to say that indifference and hatred are equal, but it's definitely on the path. If If that's the case, if I'm living in light, if I say that, but I hate my fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. What do you mean? I feel like I'm in the light. I go to church every Sunday. I tithe. I give them my offerings. What do you mean I'm living in darkness? I give great gifts. And the Bible says, Paul says, here's the thing. If you give everything you own, to the poor, and you even surrender your body to be sacrificed in the fire, but you don't have love in your relationships with other human beings, you got nothing. You got nothing. This is how important this is, and this isn't, we're not, again, trying to make anyone feel like, oh, I might as well just give up. We're trying to help you understand how important God views our relationships with one another, and how seriously we need to start taking this. It's a shame that the church is known for valuing life, and what that means is we're against abortion when we really don't value the people who've already been born. I wish we would do both because that's what it really means to value life. It's a shame that in the church we're known for being in favor of traditional marriage, yet. We live with our spouses in dysfunctional marriage, and we think that's okay to mistreat our spouse. As long as homosexuals don't get married, then that's okay. I think God wants both of those. Does that make sense? And so, as much as it depends on me, I need to live at peace with everyone. That's what Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says. And so, I can't compromise. What is truth? I can't compromise an absolute to live in peace with you. In other words, I'm not going to say that if the scripture says that something is a sin, I'm not going to say, well, it's not a sin just so you and I can agree together. That's not going to happen. Okay, there are absolutes. There are things that I, this is who God is, this is his nature, this is his holiness, and I can't deny that. But at the same time, I'm not going to let what our disagreement is be a disconnect between me and you. And the problem is, the world is disconnected from the church. And if you and I don't find a way to connect with unbelievers, if we don't connect with people, we're not going to make a difference in anybody's life. And so I don't do it for the sake of watering down the gospel, I do it for the sake of getting the gospel into you. Into helping you understand that. If you don't believe me, look at Jesus. He ate with sinners and tax collectors. And the religious people said, what are you doing? Why would you eat with those scum? Because in that day, that's a sign of approval. That's a sign of approval. Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says this. Therefore, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you beg you. He didn't say I command you. Although this is kind of a command. But he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. So, don't swear. Don't smoke. Don't chew. Don't drink alcohol. Don't go to dirty movies. Is that what he's, oh wait, he doesn't say that. And you know, and I'm not saying that those things are right or wrong, but look at what he says. This is how we lead a life worthy of our calling. Always be humble and gentle. Always. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort. That word is actually a word for strain with all your might to stay connected. Strain with all your might, as much as it depends on you. Through humility, through gentleness, through patience. Binding yourselves together with peace. Let me just tell you this. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is correctly handling conflict when it arises. Because in the scripture, Jesus himself says in Luke chapter 17 verse 1, it's impossible for offenses or things that cause us to stumble or disagreements to not come. It's impossible. They're going to come. As long as we are on earth as human beings, there will be disagreements. There will be conflicts that arise. As long as you are married to someone who's not you, you will have conflict. And even if you were married to you, that's so weird because I just feel like maybe our society is on that track. <laughs> Where you... <laughs> Or you can actually marry yourself. <laughs> that be It's crazy. <clears throat> I don't know why I, <clears throat> I rebuked that thought. That's terrible. But there's always going to be conflict. And we have to make every effort. We have to strain with all of our might to stay connected even in the midst of conflict. And so what that means, part of that, if we're going to stay bound together with peace, what that means is if something happens in our relationship, I can't just be quiet about it. Because sometimes we think, well, I just won't say anything. I'll just keep the peace. I just won't say anything. That's not peace. Because I guarantee you, at some point, you are going to explode. Or you are going to distance yourself from that person. You're going to walk away. We do this in church all the time. Well, you know, I know that I don't agree with this decision, so I'm just going to keep quiet about it. And you know what happens? Eventually, we end up leaving that church. So much for peace. All because we didn't choose to sit down and have a conversation. Like the Bible says, there's something between us. So we actually have to sit down and discuss it. You know, I actually had a conversation with a person one time when I mishandled the situation. Because this person was a known gossip. And by the way, they moved far, far away from here. So don't try to figure out who it is. They were a known gossip and I knew it. But I had never assertively tried to correct the person. And so finally, I just got tired of it, and I left one of those passive-aggressive voicemails. (laughs) I laugh about it, because it's terrible. What's even funnier is my wife heard it, because she was in the office that day, so she overheard the conversation. This was many years ago, before I got wise. (laughs) And so, and she instantly told me, that wasn't right, you shouldn't have said that. I'm like, wow, and I defended myself, and it wasn't right. So this person, of course, then played the message for so many other people, just to get their thoughts. (laughs) And then they told a board member, and I'm glad they told the board member they did, because this man was a very gracious and humble and kind man. And he came, and he sat down with me, and he just said, I think we have a problem. And he's like, I want to go with you to make this right. And I did. I apologized. I was out of line. I shouldn't have done it. And then we've tried to broach the subject of how, if, I've, if I hurt you, you have to come to me. Because if you go to 10 other people, all you have done is make me bad in 10 other people's eyes. And that wounds the church. I'm not above correction. You need to, oh, I could never do that. Well, but the, and he was like, well, but the Bible says that you, well, I can't, that's just not who I am. A believer a follower of Jesus. I mean, I watched this humble man try to reason with this person and no, I I just, I wouldn't be able to do that. It would be okay for me to play that message for 10 other people but not to go to the one person who hurt me even if I need to take someone along like this deacon to try to make that relationship right. No matter how you slice it, okay, that's not okay in the body of Christ and we overlook it most of the time. And we do the same thing in our relationships. Wives, you go to work and you complain about your husband to all your friends and husbands. You go off with your buddies. You complain about your wife and you wonder why there's no peace in your relationship. Well, if you're not actually going to assertively talk to the person who can actually make a difference in that situation, it's not going to make peace in your home. It's not going to make peace in your relationships. This word for stumble is the Greek word scandalon, and if you've ever been through the book *The Bait of the Bait of Satan* by John Bevere, that's the word for offense here that Jesus uses. And so, when Jesus says things that cause people to become offended are actually bound to come, they're they're gonna come, but how we handle them is what makes the difference. Jesus uses the same word in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, when He says that he's going to go to Jerusalem and die. And Peter's like, whoa, you're not going to die. And he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. You're an offense for me. That's what he says right there in that that verse. So then Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put a an offense, a stumbling block. See, this doesn't mean that I'm not going to come to you when I feel like you've colored outside the lines and your your coloring actually wounded me, I'm going to come and let you know, hey, I was wounded by this. I'm not saying you purposely stabbed me with your crayon, okay? That's generally what we do. We go to someone and we're like, when you said this, you hurt me, you wounded me, you did all these things, you are a nasty, mean person, when we wonder why conflict resolution doesn't work well. I mean, it doesn't. But if I go to you and say, hey, when this happened, this is what went on inside of me. This is how I felt about that. Then you have a choice whether to try to defend what you did or just say, you know what? I value the connection with you. I never intended for that to happen. I didn't want that to be the result of what I said. And I apologize for that. Will you forgive me? because I want to I stay connected. Now we have another conversation because we have to work out how to avoid this in the future. We want to minimize conflict in our relationship, so we got to learn to work these things out. But it has to start with that place of understanding and you and I being willing to go one-on-one to each other and try to work these things out. If you're going to believe the lie that we can have a healthy, growing body without being willing to do this, Because generally, we want to talk to everyone else. We want to talk to our spouse. We want to talk to our friends. We want to talk to everyone else who's hurt us. But we don't want to go to the person that actually would help make it right. And we have to make sure that we start doing that. And that's what we want to pursue. Because conflict is inevitable, but there are ways to try to help minimize conflict in our lives. And in the book, I'm going to read through these quick because we don't have time. If you want to write them down, they're in the book. So just write them down. But to minimize conflict in our relationships, our first goal in conversation is to understand one another. My thoughts, feelings, and needs are valuable and important, and so are yours. I do not participate in disrespectful conversations. When my thoughts, feelings, and needs are devalued in a conversation, I will stop the conversation, set a clear boundary, and until respect is restored, I will not participate. I do not uh, we need to communicate our true feelings and needs to establish trust and intimacy. It's my job to tell you what's going on inside of me. Your job to tell me what's going on inside of you. We do not have powers of tel- telepathy or the right to assume that we know one another's motives, thoughts, feelings, or needs. Our first goal in a conversation is to understand one another. The best way to communicate my feelings and needs To you is to use I messages, clear, specific statements that show what I'm feeling and experiencing. I will not expect you to know my feelings and needs unless I have communicated them to you. I will not make judgment statements or tell you how you must change in order to meet my needs. When you communicate your needs to me, it's my job to listen well so I can understand what you need and how my life is affecting you and what I can do to meet your needs. I'm committed to protecting and nurturing our connection. I will do what I need in order to keep moving forward toward you, no matter what. It's my job to manage my heart so that I can respond to you in love and cast out fear in our relationship. And the reason I read all of them that fast is so you would be like, oh my goodness, relationships are hard work. (laughs) And that's why Paul says, make every effort. If you thought this was just going to be easy, you signed up for the wrong ride. Because you're going against the flow of everything in human nature. You're going against the flow of everything in our culture. But here's the good news. You've been given a power that supersedes anything this world has to offer to be able to do this each and every day if we intentionally come to the cross. We intentionally put these things into practice. We stay connected with the Holy Spirit and we stay connected with one another. It's possible. It's possible you and I could be a prototype for everyone in the world to travel to Huron, South Dakota and say, how do you guys do this? What? You don't think people would come to Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? You know, people go all over the world to places where the church is actually doing things well. What's going to stop them from coming here? This is what we want to create, not just so that other people see it, but I want all 10,000 people who live in the, the city limits of Huron to start noticing that we're his disciples because of our love. Amen. And you, now you know what you're saying amen to, because <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> all right, I'm going to ask Pastor John to help me for a second. Um, I, I, I love having staff because they have to do what I ask them to do. It's great. But Pastor John and I are not the same person. Did you ever notice that? Um, We have different strengths. We have different weaknesses. And we actually complement each other very well. Now, when I hired him, I knew that. Okay? I mean, I knew it, like, in my brain, or I felt like the Lord showed me that. But sometimes when you try to work out those differences, there's lots, there's tension. And there's, like, he thinks he's right, and I think I'm right. And it's like, how do we, what do we, what do we do here? And so, this represents our connection sometimes, okay? Not a very strong connection. So I'm going to ask him to hold this. And so I go into his office and say, hey, let's go to lunch today. Where do you want to go to lunch? Mm -hmm. La Hacienda. La Hacienda. Well, I don't want to go to Mexican. I want to go to... We just disconnected over where we're going to lunch. And now we're afraid of each other and we're not developing connection because we disagreed over lunch. Was lunch the problem? No, what was the problem? The lack of connection. Generally, what you fight over as a married couple isn't isn't really the problem. There you go. (laughs) This is a good connection, okay? Now, we're both in this. We know we gotta stay connected. We're not always gonna agree, but sometimes in this relationship, I have a need that I need him to meet, and so I have to express it. And there are times in our relationship where I need him to meet me somewhere. But I also know there are going to be times in the relationship where he needs me to come to him. And the most important thing is connection. And so if at any point this begins to fall apart, We need to stop whatever it is that we think is so important. No issue is more important than the connection. Thanks, man. No issue in our lives is more important than the connection. And so whatever it is that you think is the issue in your marriage, whatever it is that you think is the issue in your relationships, that's not the issue. The issue is the connection. And if there's no connection, conflict resolution is impossible. It's impossible. We cannot resolve the conflicts we have between each other, if we don't feel safe around each other, if there's not a connection. And so if you've got a problem that you need to work out in a relationship, the first thing you need to work on is connection. And when connection is at a place where you feel like you can now have another conversation and you can start to work through the disagreement or differences, then you work through those. I wanna give you seven rules for fighting fair. You won't find these in your book, they're my rules. I give them to premarital couples. But you will find a sheet like this on the back uh, table today. If you want to take one of these with you, you can. These are 10 steps to fighting fair. A lot of them are the same as my seven. Um, And then there are 10 steps to conflict resolution, and I'll just give that to you to take with you. But when you're fighting or when you have a disagreement, I hate to use the word fighting. We don't fight, we just discuss. When you're having a heated disagreement, with one another, this is what we have to do. We have to remain calm, and we have to use a timeout. Whenever I feel like I'm becoming emotionally charged, it's time for the conversation to stop. Because from that point on, I'm not going to be productive. Now, I can't use a timeout for you. Okay? So if I feel like you're getting emotionally charged, I can't say, you need a timeout. Okay, that is not going to diffuse anything. But if I feel like I'm getting emotionally charged, and even if I feel like you are, I'll just take it. I need a timeout. My emotions are not where they need to be. I need to regroup. I need to to settle myself down so that we can have a productive conversation. Let's start this again in an hour. Let's start this again tomorrow. It's not like the unending, let's do this later. Okay, later is not a real time. So you got to do that. You've got to communicate feelings with your words, not your actions. Okay? If you're feeling angry, say that, don't throw something. Don't slam something. Okay? We communicate with our words, not with our actions. Unless you're communicating love, then you can hug. You have to be specific. Don't be general. You always, you never, you, you know, you just you 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 belittle me. Okay, how? You have to use the specific words that were spoken. I felt belittled when you said this. Be specific. Deal with the issues one at a time. Don't stockpile. We come into a conversation and we start talking about one thing and all of a sudden, seven other things come in. And men were like, what happened? We got blindsided. Okay, because it feels like you've been hoarding stuff we got to take these one at a time. We can't do seven things today. Let's just pick one. Does that make sense? Okay. Don't blindside. In other words, don't say, honey, we need to have a talk later tonight. Tell them what the talk is about. We need to talk. I got my feelings hurt by something you said. We need to talk about it. When's a good time? Well, the football game's almost over. Can I have an hour? Okay, don't blindside. Don't come in during a commercial of a football game and sit down, wives, and say, we need to talk. Or husbands, don't try to blindside one another. Make sure we know. No hitting below the belt. No personal attacks. Stick to the subject matter. You act like your mother. Okay, that's a personal attack. All right? Stop acting like, you know, the children. Stop being personal stick to the topic at hand no hitting below the belt no none of this if you ever take off your wedding ring during an argument yeah that's a below the belt thing never that those types of things very unhealthy don't do it stay engaged and helpful stay engaged and helpful when you get through this conversation some of you now are going to be like my brain hurts I can't do this anymore. I don't understand you, okay? I really don't. I don't understand why your brain hurts. And uh, I feel like we need closure. We need to settle this. We need to stop right now. But your brain hurts. So you can either clam up and just sit there and be like, whatever. Or you can say, I need a timeout. I need a timeout. And probably I'm going to be like, why do we need a timeout? We were so close. Why does your brain hurt? Can't you just fix it? And I might say things like that, but here's the thing you got to stick to the timeout. Don't just clam up. Clamming up is passive-aggressive. You cannot clam up. You have to stay engaged, and you have to make sure that you're not interrupting, that you're not using words like always and never and hitting below the belt. Whatever your rules are for a relationship, just agree on them. And make sure you stick to those rules. The last thing I'm going to give you today is you need to know what you're going to do when conflict turns ugly. Because not everyone read the book, Keep Your Love On. And so you're going <laughs> to be in relationship with people that uh, aren't going to know the rules. And you're not going to, because we've already agreed that we're not out there to diagnose everyone else. We're out there to just change ourselves. Okay? So you can't diagnose them. You can't say, hey, you need to read Keep Your Love On before we continue this conversation. Okay? That, that's not going to work. You need to know what you're going to do when someone pushes the big red button on your chest. Okay, if people, especially people that know you well, they know how to push your buttons. Okay, and they know how to manipulate and get what they want from you. Not because they're evil people, but because they have a need that needs to be met. And the only way they know to meet it is fear and manipulation. If I can get you afraid, if I can get you angry, if I can get you, then I know my need. You're going to just throw up your hands and you're going to meet my need. And that's how I need to get my need met. Now, you being the powerful person have to realize they pushed my button because they have a need. How do I get to that need? Well, you have to ask. Hey, tell me what's going on. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you need from me. Generally, people who are angry at you and have just pushed your button, when you say, tell me what you need from me, even know what to say because they don't know what they need. All they know is they're afraid, they're angry, they've got something going on, and they just want to take it out on you. And so if you can find ways to diffuse that situation and get to what's going on down here, that's going to bring health to your relationships. I mean, you could say, hey, stop being a jerk, but I don't think that's going to work. And so I wouldn't recommend that. So know what you're going to do when the conflict starts to turn ugly. Relationships are a hard thing and they're a messy thing. And you and I, from reading one book or taking like seven weeks to talk about it in a church service, aren't going to become experts at it. But here's what we need to do. We need to say, you know what, God? Your word does say this. This is really what your word says. And I'll be honest, this isn't what my life reflects. And I'm just no longer okay pretending like it is. I don't want to go to church anymore and sit in a pew and and pretend I'm a nice, good person when there's all of this junk that everyone else can see anyway. And the world sees it. They know we're phony. And we like to, you know, try to defend ourselves against the world. But they see it. And it's not about me being ashamed of myself. And it's not about me feeling guilty. It's just about me drawing a line in the sand today and say, God... I want to value relationships as much as you do. I want to make the kingdom of God all about my relationship with you and my relationship with other people. I want to treat people the way you did. I want to love my enemies like you did. I want to forgive as you have forgiven me. I want to treat everyone else the way you've treated me. How many of you would admit that you can be a difficult person? Raise your hand. You can be difficult. You can be stubborn. You can be mean. All of us. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, come and see me. We'll talk about it. We can all be difficult, okay? And the problem is when difficult people try to be in relationship with one another, it's really hard. And what we need is we need to come to the cross first. Because you can take all of these principles and just to try try to apply them to your life and your own strength. They're not going to work. I mean, they'll work some, but our only hope is the cross, Okay, our only hope is fully surrendering our lives to Christ. That's where it starts. And then these tools will come alongside of us and help us to walk in right relationship with one another, whether it's coworkers, whether it's people in your own home, whether it's people in this body. See, I have a vision. Here's my vision. A church full of people, not a building, okay? The church would be the people. A church who encounters God, who connects with people and then makes a difference. And sometimes we want to encounter God and make a difference, but God says, but my way is encounter me, connect with people, and make a difference. I want to invite you to stand with me. I want to pray over you today. I'm just going to assume that everyone in this room believes what I just said and you want the power to live it out. If you don't, I'll just pretend. But here's what I wanna make available to you. We're gonna have a prayer team at the end of this prayer in the front. And if you need prayer for something, maybe you've got a relationship and you just, you want prayer. You don't have to come and tell us all about it. You just need to come and say, hey, I've got a relationship that really needs some work. Would you pray specifically for it? And we'd love to invite God into that situation because that's step one. And we'll ask him to give you the grace to follow through on what we've talked about today. But if you need prayer for something else, you've got a physical need, you've got just something going on that you need prayer for, we wanna give you the opportunity before you leave to have prayer before you go. And so we make ourselves available to you here in the front. And so Father, I just thank you today that you loved us That you did not treat us as our sins deserved. But Jesus, you modeled for us what this looks like. You stepped out of heaven and you came to us. And you, (coughs) excuse me, you humbled yourself and you gave your life for us. You modeled for us forgiveness, you modeled for us mercy you modeled for us love, you modeled for us connection, you modeled intimacy and boundaries. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that as we continue to study these principles about relationships, give us grace to apply them to our lives. God, today we admit that there are two things that matter, our relationship with you and our relationship with people. That's what matters in the kingdom. God, help us to stay connected to you, even when we're disappointed, even maybe when you don't meet our needs the way we expected you to. God, help us to be like your disciples that were confused about the statements you were making, that even though they were hurt and even though they were confused, where else are we gonna go? Help us to stay connected to you, through all of the ups and downs and twists and turns of life. And God, help us to fight and make every effort to stay connected with one another so that the entire world would know that we're your disciples because it shows up in our relationships with one another. And so, Father, now over this congregation today, I pray your blessing. God, I ask that you would bless them and keep them I ask that you would cause your face to shine on them, that you would be gracious to them, that you'd lift up your countenance upon them. God, that you'd give them peace. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, God bless you as you go today. If you need prayer, our prayer team is here in the front for you.